Gather in Christ. I'm Tiffany Brown, here with Andrea Lindsay. President Nelson's fourth challenge is to seek and expect miracles. And as he asks this, and as I've pondered this and thought about it, so much of that, I feel like, is in a paradox. of, And, and so much in our doctrine has a paradox. Like, love your neighbor as yourself. You have to love yourself before you can love your neighbor. Or faith versus works and grace, mercy and justice. There's, there's just a paradox in each one. And if we hold fast to one, sometimes we miss the other. That we just want faith so much we miss out on works and vice versa. So I was thinking about miracles and the paradox versus miracles versus entitlement. That God's not a vending machine. We don't get to show up. Nobody like that. <laughs> it was just last conference. I'll look it up and see his name. But he talked about that it's not a vending machine. So what, how do we ex seek miracles and expect miracles, but not come to God like it's a vending machine? So there's my, there's my paradox for you, Andrea. I love that this is what we're going to be talking about today. I've been thinking a lot about it. I know we haven't um, released a podcast we've been really thinking and pondering on this one uh, for a little while. And I love the way that Elder Oaks comes in and he's president of Oaks now, but he was Elder Oaks when he gave this talk on miracles. And back in 2000, he was doing this as part of a educational class for seminary teachers. I think what's so awesome is that you can get these and I would highly, highly recommend that you do. It's so important to be able to understand the laws by which God functions and how miracles come to pass. Because there are laws. And, and we do, once we understand the doctrine and the laws, our hearts can calm down and actually have greater confidence to seek and expect the miracle. Because if we go through scripture, we look at Moses, we look at Nephi, we look at Alma, we look at all these miracles that took place to rescue souls, to gather Israel, to be able to proclaim that Jesus Christ has power. I, all the miracles that Jesus performed, they all had certain laws and reasons, and it had to be the will of the Lord. And in the Bible dictionary, it talks about having felt need. I do that. I want to just reference this talk on miracles the 7th of May at a church educational system fireside in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And it's just called Miracles, so you can just Google Miracles by Elder Dallin H. Oaks, and it will come up, and, and you'll see this reference. But oh my goodness, if you want to be taught about the laws by which miracles work, this is the talk. His mind is very much on law since this is his career. This is everything he's trained in, but now he's switching to God's law and how how it works there. So I, I love it. Highly recommend doing your own personal study on this one, but I just want to share a few brief excerpts and and talk about that law that we learn in the Bible Dictionary too, because the Bible Dictionary, man, it is got some little nuggets that are super fun. Okay, so 
here is one of those nuggets. Miracles are part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If miracles cease, it is because faith has ceased. So we know that miracles are absolutely critical to how the, the gospel works. And it is. So in the Bible dictionary, we have a line. And this is the line that really stuck in my head. Because if I wanted to pray for something that would be considered miraculous, sometimes healing, sometimes um, just resolving a conflict, being able to know the solution to what's what's going on. Sometimes it's as small as that. And what I loved about his talk is it talks about macro miracles, micro miracles, where miracles that affect the whole world, like the Savior's atoning sacrifice, miraculous event, affects the whole world. And then there's the micro miracles, the things that are small, things that were for us, things that help our family history work get going. And there's nothing more fun than listening to a, a person that's really into genealogy work talk about miracles. If you want to see miracles, do genealogy. They are never wrought. This is from the Bible dictionary. They are never wrought. So listen to that. It says never. And and so when when you get that clear of a statement, you know that you have to have the following without prayer, felt need, and faith. And that is, I, let's just break apart the Red Sea, the parting of the Red Sea. So there was prayer. Moses is praying. He's trying to figure out how to deliver his people. He's got a crisis, so there's the felt need. He's got a lot of people depending on him. He's been promised that he'll be able to get the people out. And faith, he had to step into the water. It wasn't departed <laughs> at the first, you know, like he had a get it in there and then all of a sudden the water parts and and so all of the people had to use their faith can you imagine the faith it would take to walk across the the sea you've got a wall of water on one side wall of water on the other side and you have to trust that god's not going to bring that wall down on top of you but if you understand god's nature his character who he is then you can perfectly trust it. Look, he's bringing us out of Egypt and this is how it's going to work. Well, I love when you talk about that there is a law. And it reminds me of when um, Elder Nelson developed the heart lung machine. Yeah, and he, talks, and he yeah. talks about how you have to lower the potassium of the and, and then you can stop the heart and work on the heart. So you the blood goes into the... Anyway, I don't know how it works. I'm not going to try to say that I do. But he was in a lecture and someone raised their hand and they're like, well, what if it doesn't work? And he said, it always works. If you follow the law, it will always work. It's just a matter of learning the law. And Matthew Kelly gave a talk, Miracles, in like 1948. If you don't know who Matthew Kelly is, that's okay. It was a long, long time ago. But he gave a talk about miracles. And it's just one of my favorites that I listen to over and over. And he talks about, yeah, I don't know how Moroni got into Joseph Smith's room because I haven't learned how to harness those elements yet. And he talks about, and it just is so profound to me because he's talking about how he goes to New Zealand and he can hear the radio and he can be in New York at the same time. And how much technology's changed from 1948 to today. 
And he's like, that's a miracle. And we just take the ordinary, like holding a cell phone in our hand, having all of those resources that the church puts on the Gospel Library app or doing family history on our phone. That's a miracle to be able to do all of that so fast. And sometimes it's just so ordinary and it's just part of our everyday life that we forget what a miracle it is to have that happen in our lifetime. The Lord said that he was going to hasten his work in his in its time. And we can truly see that with the inventions that have come about. You know, I think sometimes we forget the fact that it was uh, Philo T. Farnsworth, who is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that was a farm boy in Rigby, Idaho, that developed the television. And, and that that one modern invention, look at how we use it in gospel instruction, how we have the opportunity to now, through satellite, through internet, connect with apostles, and we're large in number. We're not small in number anymore. It's not six people in a little church anymore. It is, it is millions and all over the face of the earth. And they're gathering, and they're gathering, and the Lord is extending. And it's our responsibility to develop our spiritual gifts so that we can continue to be a part of the miracle. One fun exercise, if you would like, if you're going through your scriptures and you're like, wow, that's a miraculous event, you can go back and see that there are spiritual gifts being employed in order for that miraculous event to take place. One of those gifts, of course, we've already talked about is the gift of faith. The gift of faith. Now, faith has to be present, but there are other other spiritual gifts that are part of the miracle. If you look at Ammon as an example of this, Ammon is sent on a mission and he's sent he's a king's son. So, if you imagine if your enemy sends his kid Okay, uh, on a mission to your land, like this is a prime opportunity, right? Like this is this is really good. I have some leverage now. I can maybe get something out of my enemy because I have his kid. But the promise and the miracle that was going to happen, Mosiah, is given this miracle. I'm you would not want to send your your sons on a, their death mission, okay? This would be a scary thing for a parent. But he's given the promise that they won't die, that they will be protected. And miraculous means for our passing out Ammon friend, okay? Like he's vulnerable at times because he's overcome with joy and he falls to the earth. And if you remember the the time that the Lamanite comes up, to kill, he's going to kill Ammon and then he falls dead if you remember that. So by miraculous means, Ammon is delivered and the promise that Mosiah received that his son would be protected totally happens. Then you look and see, okay, so there's some gifts going on there, right there, right? There was a priesthood blessing that was involved. So there was priesthood power that was being used. There isn't every gift, but I want you to look at it and I want you to think about it and, and go, okay, what is going on? Another example using Ammon is he's talking to the king prior to this event, and the king just is there for about an hour after Ammon has ex- asked him a question, you know, like, what do you, what do you need? 
you know, and the king is not answering. Fear has completely overcome him, and he doesn't know if he's talking to a god. Um, he doesn't know what's going on, but Ammon is able to read the thoughts of the king and resolve the issue. And so that's another spiritual gift, to be able to know the thoughts and the intents of the heart is only God's right. And if he extends that to a person, it's so that his will can be accomplished. And there was really no other way. This man is on his throne, you know, and he's he's afraid. He's killed a lot of people. <laughs> and Ammon has now come in and saved the fellow servants and the king's flocks. And there's there's something different here. And and so if you look at that, okay, so there's spiritual gifts working. And back in 2000, was it, we just looked this up right before the podcast, but back in 2018, the prophet gave us this charge. My dear sisters, you have a special, you have special spiritual gifts and propensities. Tonight I urge you with all the hope of my heart to pray to understand your spiritual gifts to cultivate, use, and expand them even more than you ever have. You will change the world as you do so. And if that isn't the groundwork for miracles and seeking and expecting miracles, I don't know what is. And then he gives the talk about foundation and fix the cracks in your foundation so that this can come about. You know, like we have the cracks in our faith, the cracks in our understanding, the cracks in our doctrinal knowledge we have to get those cemented in so that we can be used as an instrument in his hands and seek and expect miracles it it's done by laws just as tiffany was talking about earlier well and as andrea is talking about that i can't i keep going back to what is a miracle and how is it different than the vending machine and how, the, sometimes we, because we want a certain outcome or we want it to look a certain way. I was just, last last summer, a good friend of mine, her sister, was out mountain biking and she was hit by a car. And she had some pretty serious medical things happen for her. And they, they kept talking about the hand of God and all these miracles that took place. Lots of miracles took place. And her cute little 12-year-old, she was talking to her. Her She wrote a letter to her brother that was on a mission. And uh, in the letter, she's like, there's been so many miracles. But I can't help think that the one miracle she wanted was to not get hit by a car. And sometimes we want the miracle to be the bad thing in our life or the unfairness of life to be taken away from us. And that that isn't necessarily what a miracle is. But seeking for miracles and expecting miracles and watching for the hand of God. Because the ultimate, I love our new primary songs. They're so amazing. And I, I just, all of the writers, I, they just teach doctrine so profoundly. But Shauna Edwards in her um, primary song, Miracles, she talks about, he fed, he fed a thousand people with a loaf or two of bread. And when the ruler's daughter died, he raised them from the dead. Jesus is a God of miracles. Nothing is at all impossible to him. But I know this, of all his miracles, the most incredible 
must be the miracle that rescues me. The, our eternal salvation is his number one priority. And that that is the miracle. Uh, that changing our hearts and changing our natures. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that you shared that. That's always been a really touching song. Um, from my, my son's perspective, this, this song, we kind of sing it. We, I try and sing to him before he goes to sleep. It helps him calm down. And this is one of the songs that he likes the most. And it, it came, he prayed for a friend um, that was really, really ill. And he didn't get the miracle that we were all hoping for. And I, I like that you you know, we can't tell God what miracle needs to be because we sometimes don't know his will. We don't understand his timing. All of those things have to be in place. And um, we weren't getting the miracle that we wanted. But Ben, my little boy, when when it wasn't working out the way that we hoped it would work out, he went to God and he prayed and he said, you know, if if it's his time to go, then take away my sad. I said, well, what happened? And he goes, he took away my sad. Yeah. I, um, a few years ago, our... Bishop passed away at like 55. He was fairly young. And that's so hard. And I think when those things sometimes happen, our natural tendency is, oh, God needed them more than you. He needed, he had a work for him to do. And and that's, we say that often. And it, and his wife actually had, our, our new bishop that got put in, his wife had passed away from cancer seven years earlier. And he went to see her and that those were the words she was saying. And she said, God must have needed him more than I did. And the bishop turned to her and said, no one needed him more than you and these children need him. And I, I'm sure, Andrea, that you feel that. You, you're, yeah. your, your stepkids need their mom. Absolutely. And it's not a role you can fill. And, and then those words, though, when he said that, taught me a doctrine so profoundly that that is so true. She and her children needed him more than anyone else and it's totally unfair and that's where the atonement comes in and makes up the difference. He makes it possible for their dad to be in their lives and be an influence in their lives but we have to come and accept that difference that the Savior makes up and seek for that difference to be brought forth in our life. I think what you're saying, absolutely agree 100%. When President Oaks was a little boy, his his father passed away. And I think one of the miracles that he talks about is being able to say, I didn't feel like my dad wasn't part of our lives. He, he said, my mother made him still a part of everything that we did. So he didn't feel like he was growing up without a father connection. His mother did enough to to help him realize that he had through covenant a father watching over him and and yet, while the role it looks different than what we hoped it would have looked like through our covenants those bonds are still there they're not gone in death they are part of our life still and 
being able to see how is is miraculous. I, I think praying for eyes to see needs to be in the heart of every person that wants to understand miracles. And if you watch like Elder Bednar, eyes to see, ears to hear, he's always saying that. And it's because only through the Spirit can we see these. When President Elder Oaks, okay, so he's Elder Oaks in 2001. He says, what kind of miracles do we have? All kinds. Revelations. So when God's speaking to man, that is a miracle. Visions, tongues, healings, special guidance and direction, evil spirits cast out. Where are they recorded? In the records of the church, in journals, in news and magazine articles, in, in the minds and memories of many people. Most of us are acquainted with miracles that have occurred in our personal lives and in the lives of those we love. Such miracles involving births and deaths and miraculous healings. All of these are fulfillments of the Lord's modern promise to show miracles, signs, and wonders unto all those that believe on my name. And this podcast was a part of a revelatory experience for us. And Gather in Christ was part of that revelatory process. Why do we want to gather? What do we want to gather to? Well, it's the Savior if everything that we're talking about leads us closer to the Savior, then it's good. Then it's what we need to be uh, adding to our lives. It's Him that we're trying to connect to. We learn His doctrine to understand His ways so that we can get closer to Him, as, as Tiffany was talking about earlier in the show. So how do we know what miracles we can share, what miracles can we not share? And and this is a law, okay, Although we may generally be counseled not to speak of sacred things like the miracles we have witnessed, there are times when the Spirit prompts us to share these experiences, sometimes even in a setting where the account will be published. The miracles written in the scriptures were obviously intended to be shared, usually to strengthen the faith of those who had already believed. Modern servants of the Lord had also felt impressed to describe miraculous events to strengthen the faith of believers. Many of these have been published, and he goes on to share a bunch of them. So that's I'm going to let you have fun and discover that. Okay, but in Doctrine and Covenants uh, 63, 64, it says, Remember, that which cometh from above is sacred, and must be spoken with care and by constraint of the Spirit. And in this there is no condemnation. And you receive the Spirit through through prayer, wherefore without this there remaineth condemnation. So we have to be really careful, but we don't have to be silent. And sometimes the the miracle needs to be shared by writing in our journal so that our posterity can see things. We have miracles in our... We were doing some family history, and my husband was, was sharing this, and, and I'm like, wow, I mean, this is really incredible. But it's for our family. You know, like that is a miracle to help us to understand, hey, if it's not your time to go, God's going to use miraculous means to get you okay so that you can fulfill your mission. And if you want a fun study, go go uh, get the book Mothers of the Prophets and read what happened to poor Wilfred Woodruff as a kid. I can't remember. I lost count of how many near-death experiences he had. And President Nelson just said in, uh, I think it was the address that he just, um, the, the college, yeah, yeah the face-to-face -face that he did. single adult. Right. He, he, he talked about he had like nine near-death experiences. And I'm like, 
Hey, don't leave us hanging like that. <laughs> like, I know a couple of them, but come on. Like, you don't just say nine and then, like, move on. <laughs> but, but perhaps he couldn't because of the this law. You know, like, maybe there are unbelievers present. Maybe people aren't ready for that information. I don't know. But if he wasn't able to share it at that moment, maybe it just was the wrong timing because these laws have to be respected. Yeah. And I love um, just going back to Andrea's idea of laws. And it's all about God's building God's kingdom, right? This is my work and my glory to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. And that is his mission. And that's what miracles yeah. are for. And I love the story that President Nelson shares where the patriarch comes to him and tells him that, you know, he has to perform this open heart surgery. And President Nelson's like, it's never been done. I can't do it. And the patriarch's like, well, the Lord told me to come to you. You have to do it. And so it took faith on both of their parts. I mean, like President Nelson knows full well, I don't know how to fix you. I don't know how to do it. And the patriarch has complete faith that he'll figure it out. And so President Nelson goes into this surgery and he's standing over him and he can see the problem. Um, one valve was too large. And he could fix the one problem easy, but the second problem he didn't know how to do. And he just sat there looking at it and he talks about in his mind, he saw dotted lines and he was told, you know, make sutures, like kind of like a pleat in a skirt. And so he starts sewing up this valve and making it smaller and making pleats. And it worked. I think it was a nurse that said, it's a miracle. And he said, no, it's an answer to prayer. But I love how Elder Oaks said, they're that the same thing. Yeah, that's a miracle. An answer to a prayer is a miracle. But I also like to think, God didn't tell the patriarch to come to me. And he never would. Because I haven't put in the time and the effort. I haven't spent the hours in the library to have the knowledge. The Lord can't give us knowledge that we haven't worked for. That we haven't built upon. That we haven't seeked after. Yeah, we, we really have to to put in the time. Sometimes that time happened before we came to earth. You know, so there are certain blessings that come just because we got here at this point in our progression. I don't understand the laws and how they all work and how it's all distributed because my timing has definitely not matched with the Lord's timing. And I have seen you know, where I want to really intercede and make a difference and how I'm held back sometimes because the difference isn't, it isn't time yet. And, and the Lord, he has a plan and his plan is for the salvation of his children. And he's going to work to save sometimes more than one person with a miracle, but it doesn't mean you go ahead and explain that okay. right because I think it leads into what I want to say. Well, so my husband and I have been on trek a few times, but we just got back. We were there last week. I, this time, this time we, it just occurred to me, right, that nowhere do we talk about how these poor saints suffering, the William Martin, I mean, we talk about it a little bit, but what, Brigham Young didn't say, sorry, you made a bad choice, now suffer the consequences. He found out their suffering and he sent people to rescue them. And he didn't say, well, too bad for you. 
but the compassion, and I think the Lord is the same way. When we are suffering and we he sends rescue and he's there when we need him. But in Mark 9, um, it's my husband's very, very favorite scripture. They're, they come to the Savior and they're like, who did sin, this man or his parents? Because the boy, he's blind and they're like, who sinned, the boy or the parents? And the Savior responds by, neither. This is that the hand of God may be manifest so so that we can see the hand of God. That is why this is here. And and that's the miracle. Oh. So is that Yeah, that perfectly sets up where I want to go and and the reason why I gave so much like why we share miracles, why we sometimes don't share miracles is because I was prompted to share a miracle and I had to get permission from the other people involved. I had to to get, I had to follow a lot of promptings in order to share this with you today. But I, it was kind of interesting that I got permission to share this. So I want to share with you when seeking and expecting a miracle what it did to the faith of those that got to be a part of this experience. And hopefully you can feel the spirit of this really, I mean, in some ways it's such a micro miracle. It's just for us, you know, it's, it's, it was to preserve family history records. It was, it was to give hope and faith to us who were going through a really rough time. It was for the individuals that it was, that were involved with it. And hopefully it, by sharing it, it can be for you too. When I first married my husband, we had a lot on our plate. Um, there was the rebuilding and restructuring of our business. There was a wedding to plan there um, because our, our um, middle son that had come home from his mission was getting ready to get married. And uh, we had our little boy. Um, I had some major health challenges I was working through. I had been diagnosed with fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue. And so you try and raise a baby feeling like that. It's, it's hard. And, and so there were some difficulties going on and to make matters worse, my husband's clinic was broken into and everything of value was stolen. And uh, the worst loss was my hu husband's computer but his late wife's computer that had all of the family irreplaceable photos now we were going to back it up but you know how it goes when life is crazy and you're like I'll get to that in a minute and the minute never comes and priceless photos you know of them with their mom gone well this was just <laughs> too much. It was like more than the straw that broke the camel's back. Okay. Like it was just too much. And I remember going to the Lord. I'm like, Whoa, this is too much. So there was a felt need. Okay. And I expressed my faith and I, I, I just explained to him the situation, which he of course already knew, but I explained the need. And I was like, this is too hard. They have lost everything. Don't. Please. Take their memories too. It's too much. It's absolutely too much. And um, I need a miracle. I remember asking for it. And 
we had accepted the loss, okay? We just were like, okay, it's gone. We're just going to move forward with our lives. Uh, the kids were devastated. They weren't kids, but I see their kids, but they were adults. Uh, they were devastated, of course, um, but they moved on with their lives, and we all were moving on with our lives. And there was a prompting that came to me one day, and it said, there's going to be a miracle wrought and for your family. And I actually had forgotten. I know it sounds silly, but I had forgotten um, because we had just come to terms with the loss, what that would be connected to. Sometimes I get a prompting and I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what that means because there's not an explanation with the prompting, you know. Um, it always makes sense in hindsight. It always, and there's nothing I can do to control it or to make it happen. It just, it just happens and then you're like, oh, that's, that's what he meant. So, Anyway, I was just told I'm working on a miracle and I felt some of the anxiety just go away in that moment and we we moved on. Well, I get a phone call or a text at about 11 o'clock at night. This is maybe a month later. Not quite sure about the timing of this, but it's a while after this has happened and I get a text from my old roommate. Okay, I, for a, for almost a joke, okay, <laughs> We thought it would be so funny. Four of us were teaching seminary and we're like, we should all just live together in the same apartment, be roommates, and we will just, this will be so funny. Because who does that, right? And and the, like four girls all together, like there's hardly any of us and we're all going to live in the same place. So anyway, this is one of those roommates. And she texted me and she's like, are you awake? And I'm like, yes, call me right now. <laughs> and so they proceed to introduce some information. Okay, so I want to go to their record. Um, that's what's so great about following a prompting. I didn't actually have their record before, but my sweet um, old roommate, Erica, wrote this down. Okay, mm -hmm. she wrote this down and she, she said this, the latest one isn't my story, but I, I played a small part in it and it really needs to be recorded. Christy has been looking for to buy a used computer for over a month. They were outside, sorry. I could still feel the gratitude and emotion. Um, so it's a little hard to get through. So they're out painting their porch and they're, they are in their work clothes. They get this prompting to go and check you know, because she's looking for over a month for a computer and she gets this prompting. There is a computer that has been online for eight minutes. She calls on the computer. Um, they arrange a time to go get it and they have to go like right then. And so they leave in their work clothes. They leave in the middle of their project and they just feel like they got to get down there. They got to be the first person there because this lady is anxious to sell. She's going to sell to the first person and they just get in their car and they go. And they... They thought the story seemed plausible, you know, she really needed the money to pay a car payment or, um, and, and she didn't have time to wipe the computer and they would have to do that. And, and so they go, they go back and they start investigating this computer and they start finding documents on it, personal documents. And one of them was a business license, which was my husband's finding, they were like, wait a minute, who's 
who did Andrea marry? Who did our old roommate Andrea marry? And and then she goes, I think his name was Guy. And she's like, oh my gosh, I think we just bought a, his stolen computer. And, and so when they called that night, 11 o'clock at night, they didn't even have to finish the sentence. I'm like, oh my goodness, you bought my husband's stolen computer. Well, we arrange a time and, and my husband goes to pick up this computer to reimburse her because like $250 is what she's paid for it. But for priceless stuff, we were like happy to just give her money and like um, make sure she wasn't injured by this interaction and that we could really um, just go back. And as my husband kind of explained to her, you know, we have been going through the hardest time and I prayed that God would just um, let us know that he cared, that he was in charge, and he was. And he opened the computer and he saw that all the, all the pictures were still there. Everything was still on the computer, and he just wept. The police officer couldn't believe the report. And when we took the computer into the place to get it, um, cleaned up and serviced and, and backed up <laughs> when we, we took it to get some help with that. And we told the story. He's like, why is this computer so weird? What, what happened to it? And, and, and so we told the story and he goes, wow, you never hear stories like this, especially in my field. Thank you for telling the story. And, and, but that is, not the whole story. Christy, when my husband went to go pick up the computer, she said, you know, I need to tell you a story that makes this even more meaningful. When Andrea and I were, or she knew me from being roommates, of course, but um, she said she was going through a personally difficult time and she went to the temple to get some answers and some clarity. And I was the temple worker that was there when when she had come, and we were uh, in initiatory together. And at the end of the thing, it had been kind of emotional, and I don't remember what I said at all. But she said to my husband, she said exactly what I needed to hear that day, and I prayed. If there was ever a time I could help Andrea, please let me do that. And two years later, I was going to need some help. And it took a person that was pure, living right, and desiring to do good, to bring that miracle about. I want to close with what um, what she wrote, and I will post the, these journal pages so you can read it. I've already got permission to do that. But as she closes with just, she says it so much more beautifully than I could ever say it, Chris, um, Chrissy's roommate now, Erica. As he opened the computer and found all the pictures still there, um, he just wept. This truly was a miracle. The Lord is in control, and he uses us, his plain old boring disciples, to work miracles and do wonders in the lives of our brothers and sisters.
What a blessing to know he's real, he's key, he cares, and he will use us if we will let him. Thanks, Andrea, for sharing. I think that the coming back full circle to see those miracles take place in our lives um, goes back to a talk by Elder Redlin in, I think it was 2000, that I might draw all men unto me. And he talks about how he asked the area authority of the people in Africa, how, how can you not just give to these people? And the guy said, the greater the distance between the giver and the receiver, the more one feels entitled. And so I think as we're seeking revelation in our life, the distance between, or the difference between a miracle and entitlement comes to that. The greater the distance between the giver and the receiver, the more the receiver develops a sense of entitlement. The farther we are away from Heavenly Father, the more we feel entitled to a certain lifestyle or certain blessings. But he says, also, has profound spiritual applications. Our Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, are the ultimate givers. The more we distance ourselves from them, the more we feel, the more entitled we feel. We begin to think that we deserve grace and are owed blessings. We are more prone to look around, identify inequalities, and feel aggrieved, even offended by the unfairness we perceive. While the unfairness can range from trivial to gut-wrenching, when we are distant from God, even small inequalities loom large. We feel that God has an obligation to fix things and fix them now. And I think that, um, so that makes the difference. As the closer we get to God, we see the miracles, small and large, come about in our lives. And we recognize the hand of God and it is the looking back, and it is powerful, and it is a testimony that he loves us, and that he's aware of of us and the things that we need in our lives. Yep, I, I just want to echo what Tiffany has said and, and leave you with a charge. When the prophet says to seek and expect miracles, that's what we should do. And any cracks in our foundation that keeps us from believing that's a possibility in our lives, we need to take to Him. If it's through repenting so that we can get right with Him, so that we can receive revelation, um, that's one of the steps. We have to be pure in heart. We have to be right with the Lord. And, and daily repentance is how we stay that way. It's consistency in reading the scriptures. It's consistency in following promptings that bring miracles to pass. It's by small and simple things that great things are brought to pass. So as we do the small and simple, repenting daily and reading our scriptures, being involved with the Come Follow Me program and having the courage to follow the promptings that may put us in a, out of our comfort zone. I We have laughed more than one time, um, and Christy, I know too, where we talked about, um, here's a seminary teacher <laughs> going and buying a stolen computer. <laughs> working with a criminal, <laughs> knowing that there's something off, but still feeling. She kept telling me on the phone when I was asking her about sharing this online. She She's like, you know, I felt like I had to buy that computer. That just everything in me was like, I got to buy this computer. I've never felt so good about buying the stolen computer, but... When it was opened up and it was actually, she was part of the process of retrieving 
a lost item, you know, like my husband was able to, with those pictures, make books for the boys and to give them on Christmas a book with their mother's pictures and their pictures in childhood um, was a priceless gift. It was a priceless gift that would have never happened if it weren't for the small and simple things. So please just, if you felt that a miracle didn't happen and you so wanted with every part of your heart for that miracle to take place and, and God did not grant it the way you wanted it, I would ask that you open your heart to the understanding that God will give you and help you to understand about his timing the bigger picture, and and what he will do. But there are only blessings. Elder Holland said in High Priest, good things to come. Some blessings come soon, some come late, and some not till heaven, but for the righteous they come. So as you study about miracles, as you seek to know the will of the Lord and follow it and do everything that the prophet is asking, miracles will just be a constant part of your life. There's never been a more uh, important time and a more felt need than the time we live in. This is too chaotic, too difficult, and heaven needs to step in, but they need to be invited through our faith and our obedience. If you have any desire to contact us, you can contact us at gatheringchrist at gmail.com. And, and so you can contact us there with questions, with thoughts, and we, we'd... Uh, we will be posting notes um, from this so that you can get some references and look some things up. But thank you for listening. And if you haven't had a chance to go back and listen to some of our other shows, um, do so. And um, know that as we're seeking to follow the Savior and follow his prophet, um, miracles will just just be part of what we get to see. It is amazing.